Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today my guest is Brenna Red from The Last Gang. They are a fat wreck band whose first record was featured on my best of 2018 episode. And their second album is forthcoming this fall. Also on fat, it's called Noise, Noise, Noise. Now, this is a short episode because we only had a couple records to talk about, but we had a hell of a time doing it both on and off tape. This is Brenna Red. I feel like I should be doing this in my other room with all the, uh, the comic books behind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my husband is a super comic fan. The other room that I have uh, just littered. It'll be like a mirror image of what you have. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, I'll show, I'll show you later. Cool, yeah. I uh, also host another podcast where we just review Batman comics and, and movies and stuff. So. so what are reading right now? <laughs> right now he's reading this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we reviewed that. <laughs> I love you guys. You're the best. When you guys are doing this interview, it's like she'll put you in there. I got some Frank Miller, Klaus Janssen signed stuff. And oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I've did a mail in that had him sign a copy of Year One for me. Oh, that's so rad. My, All right, my, my interview, not yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are you making best friends with people all the time? Jeez. That was my husband. That was Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Perfect name. Great. <laughs> I know, right? My Batman's tattoo. Well, no, your Batman tattoo is better now. Yeah, I got a Jim Lee Batman on my arm. That's awesome. Well, comics out of the way. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, I've been a fan since the first record, and in the announcement that y- you guys were dropping a sequel, I was very excited to uh, to reach out and, and chat with you about it. It is kind of slim pickings out there for... Your origins, though, I'm curious as to how the band came together. I, okay. From what I did find, I found an old interview yeah. with Robert, and I was like, you could be talking about my band. How did that play out for you guys? I mean, how did you come together and, and form the band? I had this idea in my head since I could play music when I was a teenager, but it really didn't form until I think like maybe 2007-ish or about... I had some other filler and some players in this. And then I met Robert through just knowing everybody at the punk rock scene. Like, we're all, like, intertwined here from a bar called Johnny's Bar. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I need a drummer. My other drummer, he's no longer with the band. You want to play? And so we kind of had this, like, local DIY kind of thing going. We play, you know, the local venues. We're doing the best we can to get on, like, the bigger shows. And we'd hustle the best we can. And it wasn't going anywhere, like, it wasn't moving up. It was just kind of staying this. And I felt like, let me try to branch out, and I tried to do my own thing, and it didn't, didn't work out. And in, like, a, a tragic state, I was, like, super upset that this didn't work out. There was some drama behind it, and I, I called up Robert, like, crying, like, <gasps> you want to do the last gang again? <laughs> like, I miss you guys. Yeah. And we started again, but with a different mindset, with like, let's really try. Let's give it our all. Let's not like have one foot in and like one foot out. Let's all or nothing. Let's make this happen if we can. We took out like personal loans and like yeah a lot of debt in order to make the first album. We're like, I don't want to like do it half-ass. I don't want to like, oh, my friend does this or that. And we're like, let's find this guy, this guy, Cameron Webb. Yeah. Let's throw money at it let's really just invest and luckily a good album came out 
and we were lucky enough we were kind of like hitting up labels and people we knew like hey do you want to put this out or do you want to put this out and we were going to do it ourselves we're going to say fuck it let's just put it out ourselves and yeah you know cd baby or whatever and we got really fortunate enough where fat heard it and they were like oh this is special and we got fortunate enough that they picked it up that's and then the rest is history. Pretty great, yeah. I mean, that's a lot that you had checked off some of my boxes. I was gonna uh, ask you about too. Um, although before I get too far ahead, I do want to ask about fiction reform. That was the pause that I did. Yeah. I really liked it. I was like, damn, these guys have more videos out than the last gang does. Like, I, <laughs> I, I was diving through your YouTube rabbit hole. That was super fun. Like, uh, whites in their eyes. That was a banger. It's like almost is super fast and had this like catchy no fun at all like offspring thing going on that's in the the vocal hooks and that seemed like a pretty serious project couple albums out a bunch of videos i was just trying something new they hit me up like hey do you want to sing and i was like fuck it like i like making music absolutely let's let's do both bands and see where it goes yeah. and i don't regret it because it was a fun time but i've definitely learned from my mistakes you can't create magic if it's not organically there. They were trying to create something from these players and Chuck from Basement Records, he was kind of like, hey, I know this person and, and I know Danny and he tried to like put this group together. But Last Gang was always just the punk scene at its core. Like I've had so many people in and out of the band because we're all friends of this person and I knew, I knew you and I, it was just this like family. Yeah. Last Gang has always been a family. And even though Fiction Reform was really, really fun and I made a lot of good friends out of that, like my old drummer, Danny Baeza, he's awesome. Last Gang has always been family and it was it's my whoopee. So that's why when <laughs> that other band erupted as it was and I was heartbroken, I went back to my whoopee. Something yeah. that made me feel happy and safe and fulfilled. Even if it wasn't a super success or anything at the time, it made me happy. I really feel you on that because, you know, when I started my band now in 06, it was after I left my childhood friends. We had played together for like nine years, you know. Yeah. That's so bitter. It feels so tragic when it falls apart, you know, and... You know, I start. I was like, okay, well, this is going to be the thing. You know, it's going to fix everything, right? This is going to be the the way, and it didn't do it. No one cared, and we we split. And when we came back, it was like, okay, guess what? Nobody cares. Let's do this for us. Yes. And that yes. was the key because once we did that, and then put that record out, well, now everyone likes it. So <laughs> it's like yeah. at the end of the day, we've got to try to just make something that we want to listen to and be proud of that. Yeah. If it has success, that's awesome. And if it affects other people in the world emotionally and creatively, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, you can't make music because of that. You have to make music because that's what you want to do. Yeah. And that makes me happy. And when we first reformed again, we put in the, the T-shirt and the banner, it didn't say established. It said reestablished in yeah. 2017. Because that's when it really took the foothold. Yeah, I like that. I want to ask about influences because there's something about, like my last guest, I just yesterday spoke with Theo from the Lunachicks. And, you know, in their new book, they talk so much about their perception of the band. And then when it comes to bookers and magazines and labels and radio and everyone else, oh, well, you're, you're a girl band, though. 
And so, like, when I watch your stuff online or read reviews, it's always distillers, distillers, or, or whatever. Like, th there's only so much that they can draw from to compare. I'm curious, what are your actual influences as opposed to everyone just drawing whatever conclusion that they decided? Punk, obviously, is a huge, huge influence. That was my childhood and my teenage years and my uncertain, angsty, trying to figure out who I am. And I'm still trying to figure out who I am, but yeah. like, it's, that is my, it's my comfort zone. And band-wise, I remember the first CD that I bought, not like I just took from my brother's collection. Uh, the first CD that I bought was Dropkick Murphy's Do or Die um, nice. with Mike as the singer. And that was like awesome. And I love the message of like just unity and togetherness and like yeah. just this working class, like you don't have to be some rich and famous. You can have this like tight, tight life and tight community. Um, that was a CD that really influenced me and everything that was my brother. I actually thought, no joke, that my brother was Tim Armstrong for like a second. Because <laughs> I don't know, I was like 12, right, or 11, and I'm looking through my brother's CDs on his desk, like stacked up, and I opened up uh, Operation Ivy. Yeah. Uh, on Op Ivy, and I, I flipped through the inserts, and I remember seeing a photo of Tim um, just doing his like face and he looked exactly like my brother because he, he idolized him too. He played guitar, <laughs> he taught me guitar and he had a hollow body. And I was like, oh, cool, this is my brother's CD. And then as time went on, I'm like, that wasn't my brother. That was, oh, oh, okay, that's, that's Jim Armstrong. That's Operation Ivy. That's Rancid. And I learned more through that. But that Rancid, The Clash was a huge one too. Like yeah. I really started to get into lyrics and poetry with him. And then it grew into Elvis Costello. And right now my new obsession is Laura Jane Grace, which how she writes is just, she can say, fuck you without saying fuck you. Yeah. Like the song Black Me Out, it's just this guttural, angry, fuck you song. But with like intellect and wit oh it's such a well-written song so i started to fall down the the path of lyricists that's what i follow yeah that's definitely one of the first things that that grabs me too um i'm glad you did mention rancid though because they were one of the parallels that i was drawing in that they will drop a hardcore song and then a rock and roll song and then a ska song and then a skate punk song and yet it always feels like rancid and they're kind of embraced by Everybody, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I talked to, to Darren from Goldfinger uh, a couple days ago on getting boxed in because they played a certain thing. But I mean, when the first single came out for your last record, Sing for Your Supper, mm -hmm. it almost has this ska sort of breakdown bass and drums in the beginning and then just goes straight into like driving almost pop punk sort of thing. And we get another little bit of that later on the album. I think on Identity, there's a little bit of that flavor. And then we get some acoustic shit. And then we get Nobody's Prostitutes, like super fast, melodic hardcore, you know. When I first heard it, if you were to listen to my top 10 albums for 2018, I put you guys on there on the honorable mentions because I was like, this is really cool. I can't quite tell what direction they're going to wind up, and that's exciting to me because they've got all these different influences, and it's like, all right, 
I am banking right now. I want the second record. I want to know what the <laughs> next evolution is going to be, you know? And so was there any talk about that? I mean, how did you guys come up with the vision that was keep them counting? I guess that just as an attest to who we are, because, you know, we're, we're punks. At yeah. You know, we grew up, we, we don't see the, the, the world the same as other people do. You know, we're definitely an eclectic group. But we're not limited by that. And as you get older, we realize that music as an art form, it's vast. Yeah. And it's not just, you can't just be a tunnel view and see this one thing. Anything that makes you feel alive and like get your heart going, that's important. Yeah. And it wasn't a thought process that we said, hey, we're going to do this. I guess it was just the natural flow of evolution of where the songs led of, I guess, who we are. It just came out. Yeah. I mean, I love playing acoustic songs because they're terrifying, secret sounds, and <laughs> I love melody. I, I get the feels when I hit the note, like, whatever terminology it is, like the fifth or third above, like, I'm like, oh, that's it. That feels so good. I don't know why, but I, I love it. And then I, I love Nobody's Prostitute because there's just this feeling of just, ah, and you want to get it. I just, yeah. no, they're all emotions. It's all emotions. And nobody has just one emotion. I like you gave me a little taste of that too, because it's an incredibly catchy record, but there's also some like full on screams and some parts that are just awesome. Is it true that you guys actually pared it down from like 80 songs? <laughs> yeah, maybe they're not like 80 songs complete, like with lyrics and melody and a, a hook. Yeah. But it was a lot that Sean and Robert were just bouncing back and forth. Okay, here's this bass riff. Okay, let's go further. Okay, what, what happens after this? Okay, let's record it. Let's jam record. And there was like a lot of files that were shared back and forth via email of like, hey, Brenda, can you do something on this? Do you hear an idea? Yeah. And sometimes I'd have an idea, we would try to do it, and it wouldn't be good, and we move on. So it wasn't like a black and white set list of 80 songs. It was just like, 80 thought bubbles that could have gone somewhere that we really tried but didn't go anywhere. How long would you say that writing process was from, from reforming to beginning maybe pre-production or something on Keep Them Counting? I mean, that's constant, a shitload of work. Constant. Like the song Strange Fruit? Mm -hmm. We didn't have that song done till after we did the 10 songs for the album. Wow. We were done. We're like, okay, here's the 10 we've decided. And... I forgot who it was, if it was the label or the engineer that said, we need one more. And we're like, okay, we made it up, like, the, the, the final version, like, maybe a week before we went back in the studio. So we were wow. up until the very last day we were writing. That's great. Now, you mentioned Cameron Webb. Talked about him just briefly the other day with uh, Sean Sellers works with him a lot, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I was a fan of his work from, of course, Pennywise, but Ignite and your record as well. Sounds like you chose him and worked with him prior to Fat, right? Yes. Okay. So how was that connection made? I mean, what what was the, oh, I like this guy. We should reach out to him. Uh, the drummer, Robert. He yeah. actually knew him from, forgive me if I don't remember the exact, like, two degrees but <laughs> he went to high school and like robert's 
English teacher, his brother was friends with Kamen, or so I don't, I forgot who it was, but it was just like weird intertwined. And Robert knows his stuff when it comes to music, like who did this album and who's on this. He like loves reading the liner notes, and so yeah, me too. He, he knew who Cameron was, and he met him via like work one day, I think, or his brother came in. Somebody came in, and he's like, "Hey, here's demos of my band." Would you be interested in recording us? Like, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't take on everybody, and we're hoping like he would like us, and he liked us enough to say, "Yeah, come into the studio. Let's start doing pre-production." And he liked what he heard and just took us on. That's awesome. What role did he play in shaping those songs as you developed them? He's he's definitely a hybrid. He's like you have the engineer, yeah, who knows the specs and knows where to put stuff and how to level things and how to record things and I'm hearing this and know your voice is a little tweaky try it again you have that side and then you also have the producer side that helps you see the whole picture the art form of what you need to create and he does both Yeah. so he at the same time of going oh, one more take do it again do it again was also saying that wasn't good I don't like that yeah. what else do you got try it again he wasn't mean. He was very just blunt about stuff. And I like that as a singer. He was just like, all right, that's not working. What else do you have? That's that's not good. That's just not good. <laughs> so he, he would push me till I, I came up with something that I thought he approved of. And then I realized, oh, wow, that's something I never would have come up with. And so he, he doesn't just record you. He really tries to get the best out of what that song and that band can be. Yeah. That's great. And it, it sounds really good. I mean, I'm used to hearing him on albums that are more straightforward, aggressive. And so it was cool hearing him do shit that's more dynamic and more at times sparse. And particularly that last song, I was like, wow, I've never heard his name on a track that sounds like this. It's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. Was that a lot of experimentation or did you come in and he was just kind of like okay yeah I know how to <laughs> I know how to get the sounds I would say less experimentation and more intuitiveness yeah we both might have had a game plan going in what the band wants to think we should play and what he thinks we should record but yeah. then as we come together and meet and do it at that moment inspiration takes hold and we're both firing on these cylinders of like you know how it is, musician talk. It's just like, oh no, do this. Okay, ba da ba 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 ba. No, no, you should go ba 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 da ba. It's just this, yeah. this moment of creation and inspiration that just takes hold. That's beautiful when you just click with somebody like that and it's like the fourth member, the fifth member of the band at that point, you know? It really was. He's, he's special. He's magical. So you talked about shopping this record when it was finished to some labels. How did you wind up speaking with Fat? and working that out. I mean, I, I'm sure having his name on it didn't hurt, but... We were, like, hoping for that. Like, yeah. some labels would be like, oh, Cameron Webb, he's on this. Let's definitely listen. I don't necessarily think that was the case. I, I don't know. I wasn't in their minds, but it was really just kind of lucky and hard work of us just emailing a bunch of people. Because it, it wasn't just fat. We emailed, like, everybody. Like, yeah all these labels of like, hey, do you want this? Hey, do you want this? And some people responded, some people didn't, some people said, maybe, let's hit me up next year. And a friend of ours was like, 
I know the ladies in Bad Cop. Maybe I can get you in, like, with them. And, like, yeah. let's just try. And I think the record got emailed to, like, the info at Fat Rec. Like, yeah. not, like, a designated thing. And it takes time to listen to bands, actually. They don't just go, ah, next. They really do try. We were just in the list of emails that they happened to listen to that day. And it wasn't because... Like, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, we're friends, like, now. Like, me yeah. and Lynn and the girls were super tight. But at the time, we were just, oh, I know your band and you know my band. They didn't, like, go, hey, listen to The Last Gang. It wasn't, like, anything like that. We just got, like, hey, we, we're friends with them and do you want to listen to us? And I don't know if that affected it at all, but I don't know what happened. I really don't. Well, that's awesome. I saw you guys on the Punk and Drublick Festival when you came through Portland. I was reading about... The, your new um, bio on your site talking about how you know you were getting out and doing festivals and more and more tours and kind of building bigger and bigger until the pandemic obviously pumped the brakes for everybody but what was that like after all those years being a band and grinding away and you really pulled this record together yourselves you made it exactly what you wanted and then you're out there celebrating it killing it playing with with all these amazing fat bands i mean i imagine that was quite a feeling oh that was all the feels yeah when the lockdown and quarantine happened we made the best of a terrible situation um i would say our our downfall is that we love touring that feeling is not lost on us and if we can be on the road all days of the year we would but because of that work that comes along with it you don't have the opportunity to be creative and to write at least how i write because there's other people that oh my gosh i have some friends that are like i just wrote the song today bloop, 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 bloop. and i'm like yeah. i need like at least two months of crying in a room alone thinking i'm terrible and the songs will come out like oh this is amazing <laughs> i write yeah. so differently i need that isolation and we need that like time to just really focus and we weren't doing that. We're like, let's go on tour. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's promote. Let's do these shows. Let's do these. Pro- let's do everything we can. And we didn't focus on writing. So when the pandemic happened, we had nothing but time. Yeah. So we were starting to write. And we wrote some songs. And we brought them to Cameron. And he was like, oh, these are terrible. And I'm oh, like, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go cry for like a full week, which I did. I remember vividly, I went to the gym and ran on the treadmill till I couldn't breathe. Like, like I was so like, this is terrible. But I was able to come back, rewrite them, find where the hooks belong, find where the true melodies are, and make something special out of them. So we used that time to our best of our abilities. And yeah. that's what we did during the pandemic. We wrote and recorded. That's great, making the most of it. Did any of that first batch wind up on the record, reworked or anything like that? Or was like, no, all right, clean slate then, we're going to try again? No, most of the songs that we brought were almost a finished product. I would say, I think 10 out of the 11 made it on there. Yeah. A few of them stayed close to what I originally wrote. Most of them were just like, you wouldn't even recognize them. You're like, I guess this kind of sounds like this song. <laughs> um a big, a big part of that was lockdown happened. We were working on these songs. I was going back and forth with emails. And when the restrictions kind of opened up and it was a little bit more 
safe to socialize in distant scenarios, I was able to go to, to Mike's house, uh, Fat Mike's, and I said, hey, here are these songs that I reworked because I didn't like them before I was telling they're bad. How can I make these even better? And so then we even changed it another time and nice. wrote and edited and like noise, noise, noise. I just thought that was a good song. I wasn't thinking there was anything special. And Mike was like, this is your sound. This will make you stand out. Yeah. You know, I always loved reggae and rock steady. Mm-hmm. It's always been something that I've loved because of the clash. And he was like, this is going to make you special. Focus on this stuff. So he helped me rewrite like the chorus to Noise, 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 like the harmonies and the melodies and the chord progressions. And so it was like, there's these little seedlings. And he just went, and just put this extra growth on it. And they flowered into them. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you brought up that song because... I got the fat newsletter and it said there was a music video. I'm like, oh shit, I got to watch this. And instantly I was like, wait, they got the tone rolled way back on the bass. And then, oh, they're going there. Okay. I didn't expect that at all. You know, I was just like tuning in. Oh, cool. Another punk song from the last gang. Right. And so, uh, immediately it caught me off guard. And then the visuals are just stunning. It's beautifully shot. Who, who was your director there? Thank you for asking. He's a magical man. His name is Vincente Codera. He works with industrial films. We knew him from a friend recommended us his band called Ocho Colacas. Mm-hmm. And we met him for the first time and it was like instant best friends. He just got done doing these videos for Cannibal. Uh, Cradle. Cradle of Filth. Not Cannibal Corp, sorry. Okay. Cradle of Filth. And he's like legit in there and we just got fortunate enough to know him and he heard the song and talked with the band and he's, he was instantly hooked. He's like, he vibed with us and he yeah. we spent a full two days like really doing a whole timeline and had a storyboard. It was just, it was epic. We've never had that before. It was like the first time. So I really want to, we're going to be doing something hopefully with him soon. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's got full narratives and action sequences and everything. But I mean, even just the band playing in a room the way that those shots are composed and the way the camera sweeps around and the slow-mo and stuff it's just it stands above <laughs> like it, it really stood He's out to so me good i'm so lucky he did such a good job oh that guy's awesome you're yeah. watching this vincente we love you 805 <laughs> and then the song itself again is very dynamic it does a thing that's interesting in that it kind of creeps in slowly then we, you know, we arrive at the verse, and I think it's on the fourth time you run through that phrase, you actually have the biggest peak of the song. It's not the chorus. It's like it comes into these big shouts and then dives back down, and then it does ramp up again into the hook, but like it never quite goes to that almost scream shout thing that's happening there in the verse. And I just thought it was really interesting because normally everything is up, 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 down, up, 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 down. And you do this kind of like riding this wave through it that's really neat. Hopefully you're going to be pleasantly surprised because I think a lot of the songs in this album, they're going to do that. They're not going to be, I think, what people expect. Yeah. But it's going to be very captivating. So in what I said at the top, that when I first heard you guys and all the different styles, I'm like, okay, I wonder where they're going to settle. Have you guys settled into a lane or is it equally diverse as what we've come to know? Yeah, I've, I have no idea what the next album is going to be. It might be fucking 
polka, <laughs> funk, blast beats. Who knows? Cool. Like, there's no rules in music or, yeah. or punk or... I mean, a betting man would say, we're going to probably continue with the upticks, the guitar, just that that groove, that vibe, but still have this, like, raw power, this raw energy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I will see. Time will tell. I guess I mean more so that we've only heard one song from this record. Is it a more down-tempo record, or is this just our first little tip of the iceberg and it's still going to have kind of all of your sounds? It's just the tip. <laughs> Sorry. To get vulgar. But it's, uh, <laughs> that's what she said. I guess I just have to say, like, you'll you'll see. Yeah. But the next song is going to drop I think relatively soon. I'm not sure exactly when or if I'm allowed to say and what it is. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll probably already be out. <laughs> but okay, who, okay, okay. But who knows? Yeah, we've got a song on there that we've never done before, tempo-wise. We've done a 6-8 song. Oh, yes. I love and that. that was a challenge. Yeah. I think that was the only song that we set out to purposely do. Everything else is kind of this flow of whatever happens happens and the songs would become itself i think that's the only one we purposely set out to say let's make this song because it's yeah. a challenge it's something that is not in our wheelhouse and let's see what happens but then we have other songs too that still have the the upticks some rock steady kind of vibes some darker minor keys we have some pop songs with some harmonies and melodies that are sweet we've got some it's just it's, it's kind of like uh, the last album 2.0 yeah it's the evolution that's great I wanted to ask about Yo Tom because he was a guest last year and kind of uh, really became a friend and uh, you mean the harmony master oh yeah he's such a brilliant writer and uh, <sighs> I saw in, in your bio because I don't even think that it was mentioned elsewhere that he also did some co-writing with you and I'm really excited to hear what you guys came up with on a side note just to give him some props he very much reminds me when I see him live doing his acoustic stuff that man can never hit a bad note yeah like, he's like what autotune wishes it could be he's fucking perfect and when he sings live acoustically the melodies that he does and how he drops a key it reminds me very much of like Paul Simon yeah it's very very special so i was fortunate enough to work with him via email during the pandemic back and forth because i think he was back home overseas he really helped out a lot on this one song especially on this bridge to build tension like you said hopefully this this podcast comes out afterwards it's, it's a song called shameless and that bridge was all him really he said this needs tension this needs to have that feeling of like and then a breakthrough and i didn't see that I did yeah. not see that, and he saw that, and I was like, holy shit, now the song's like come to life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I did a, an email collab with him as well. I had him sing on a, a Tony Sly song I was covering. Yeah, he's just a brilliant songwriter, and I hope that uh, the punk community gives him his, his flowers too, because um, when you listen to the last couple of Useless albums, I mean... It's very clear this man is on another level. Yeah. He's one of those people that I said, they're like, oh, I wrote a song. Bloop, 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 bloop. There's a hit. Patch yeah. it up. Yeah. This sounds really bolsterous, but he very well could have been in like the Beatles. Like he's just this like, <laughs> oh, music, yeah. I get it. Done. Song, next song. So I, like I said, I was very, very fortunate to have him part of this. 
Well, shout out to Yo Tom. We both love you. I laughed when I was um, the the last bit of your your new bio. Intelligence is a plague. It's a, a new song that was mentioned, and it said something about like maybe the first song to ever uh, name check Breitbart or something. I was like, I did it in 2017. I, I did it. Same, same. Same thing. But uh, I know there's only so much we can really talk about until we all get to hear the record. What's the plan to deliver this thing to the world? We're doing a mini weekender tour right now with fucking finally Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Nice. Like I said, we're friends and it's like they live down the street from us. Like, finally, finally. So it's not a full tour. It's yeah. weekender. I'll take what I can get. I'm so happy to play with them. <laughs> I'm just beyond stoked. Them and the Venom's Pinks. And oh my God, it's going to be fucking epic. Ah, sorry, I'm so excited. That's like in two days from, from right now. Yeah, we got some tours in the, um, the works right now. And we're definitely going to be focusing more on not being at home. We, yeah. we want to be on the road constantly. Because the first album, looking back now... I thought we were on the road a lot, but we could have been more. We could have been like at like half the year gone in the van driving city to city. It's definitely going to happen this time. Yeah, I think that as much as people look at touring as valuable, I think of a band like Metallica as the blueprint for how to do it right. They had cultivated years of relentless touring and built up this rabid following. Then add to it the radio success. And then what did they do? Celebrate? They toured for three years nonstop before they took a break. And that's how you do it. It's like you get the moment and then you work it to death. Yeah. You know, and you don't get another moment. Yes. That moment is just that one time and you might not get another one. Exactly. All right, that is our show. Huge thanks to Brenna for taking the time. Uh, again, it was a short one because we only had a couple records to talk about, but it was great. And we even talked for quite a while after the interview with her husband, Bruce, joining the conversation. And we kind of shared our comic collection. So that, that was great. It's, it's awesome when you're a fan of somebody and they just turn out to be real genuine people. So I'm going to leave you with the title track off their new record. This is The Last Gang. Noise, noise, noise.
the tail I've been stagnant, sitting here, waiting, hands open, tail If you see me on the corner, begging, don't pay my bill I'm a bit more than nothing, and your charity still Trying out for years, fighting hand to the nail The sad truth is the poor get poorer and fail Kept it so close, but the words were spoken. It's the last episode when the buses stopped running and the flask led to right head. I head past the shoulders to the new music, right? To few of us know we can never Slain, deranged, holding on to a fate.